podcast is produced by men for men we are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood we believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves yo what's good family what's up what's up we are in here today yo listen this is your boy big brother rob and i'm so excited uh that we are continuing this conversation our series on relationships and situationships yo this has been crazy this is actually part two of our conversation about divorce uh surviving divorce from a male perspective yo last week it was crazy it was it, it was bananas and you guys wanted more so we're back so I'm not going to prolong the time, but listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to share. I want you to give us some hearts. I want you to go get everybody, mama, daddy. I said, Josue, I want you to go get Billy. I want you to go get Gene. I want you to get your mama, your daddy, everybody get them in this room. It's going down. It's going, it's going to be unfiltered and on, and it's going to be very raw. It's going to be very raw. So I'm excited um, about who we have joining me. So I'm going to invite these brothers on in the room. Yo, what's up, brothers? How you guys doing? Good, good. Doing good, good. good. What's up? Good, good. Yo, so everybody, if let me just give you a quick recap. We are doing, we're talking about relationships and situationships. Somebody hashtag in the chat for me, situationships. Yo, we've been, t- we've, we've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about situationships, specifically from the male perspective. I personally think, that this is necessary because we always hear about women. He broke my heart uh, or he's good for nothing or he did this. And you see all these movies, the media, they, you know, the women, all their voice always gets heard, but nobody ever really talks about the man's perspective about being in a, a situation or being, or in this particular instance, experiencing and surviving divorce so yo we got a whole bunch of real brothers here um that's joining us on this live um and on this podcast talking about their lived experiences um with divorce and surviving it and yo last week we had tommy join us nino hopefully got he got his stuff together this week i think your, your mic work you good you good? I think so. Okay, good. You over there looking like a cholo today, but you got it, fam. So we got Nino, uh, we got Brandon, <laughs> and we got Joe. So I'm excited. Man, how, I want to know, kind of, did you guys get any responses from people last, after last week's show? Yes. <laughs> Make some very long story short, yes. <laughs> right. Joe looked like he still got a lot to say. So, you know... <laughs> Joe, he got that look. He got that look. He got that look. Yo, we, we left off in a very interesting place, and we, we left off asking the questions, are you friends with your with your uh, ex? And Joe said, what would you say, Joe? Emphatic, adamant. No, I'm sorry. No. I'll say, he said, <laughs> hell no, I'm not friends with her. Hell no, and I want to know. Joe, why are you not friends with your ex? So, I define friend. I have a lot of friends, and I define. I have a definition for friend. Friend is somebody that I have an intimate relationship with, somebody I admire, and somebody that I trust. If you don't fit those qualifications, we can't be friends. 
And that's why that's why I can't be friends because really because of the trust factor, you know. Like you already said, a lot of women they get to tell all the stuff they going through as if men aren't going through. So in particularly, and I know a lot of brothers can can uh, relate to this when they, your children being kept away from you, when you got to spend thousands of dollars on a lawyer and just to see your kids and things like that. But in particular, let me just give you this: in particular, so we went in on the child support. And I've learned that when we start talking about child support, we're not all talking about the same thing. And I'm not talking about the difference between my money and Puff Daddy's money. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm talking about this is a very oppressive system. So I got divorced in 2008, not knowing that my ex had put out a child support order in 2006 while we were still living together. Okay. So that started in 2006. Then my divorce child support order started in 2008. Now, I'm paying about $1,500. It's not about the, that money. You got to pay child support as well as long as my kids have been taken care of. But I didn't know that the uh, Illinois Health and Family Services, they're calculating from 2006 while I'm paying my divorce child support. So their kid's still counting. So 10 years pass. I'm like, hey, one of my kids become an adult. I'm like, hey, I want more parenting time, and I want to cut down on my on my child support cool i go in there they're like you're right uh, uh, mr mcneil you've overpaid ten thousand dollars in your child support and we're going to give you more time i'm like yay so she says during the court how how does i owe him 10 when he owes me 50 i'm like what are you talking about my lawyer's like what is she talking about so she doesn't expound on it a couple of days later pass i i'm coming from bible study I got about $8,000 in the bank because me and my wife are about to buy a house. All right. This is 2016. I go to get something. They say, hey, your car's declined. My car declined. Whatever. I call. They're like, your bank account is wiped out. All zeros. All zeros. I go to find out. They say, child support, take your money. How? I'm up $10,000. I'm up $10,000. How does child support take my money? I find out this order that she put in they said you owe 50000 I said, how was that? How in the world I owe fifty when I overpaid ten? So now I got my, I still got my lawyer. We still, in, in, I got my lawyer. We go over there. We leave the, the, the domestic uh, divorce court. We go over to across the street, the Illinois Health and Child Family Services. I got pay subs, 10 years. I got a, I got a judgment saying that she owes me $10,000. i am like, what are we talking about? She's like, well, according to this, you owe us twenty seven hundred in real money and another forty seven thousand in back pay and back pay and interest. Ooh. And I've been paying that ever since. Yeah, that wouldn't be a friend of mine either. Wow. I'm about twenty five. I'm about twenty five thousand in. Hmm. <laughs> he ain't even moved yet. His mouth's still open. <laughs> <laughs> and, and guys there's a lot of brothers going through this I have mm -hmm. a best friend whose son has been living with him since 13 he owes back child support his son is grown now he's been living with them in his house <laughs> I, 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 I'll say this I'll say this for the young people that are watching you get yourself in a situation there's a there's a there's a a, a fellow that I know 
that got with a girl. She was expecting a baby. Was not his kid. Never claimed it to be his kid. Never signed adoption paperwork on the kid. Married to her for about eight, nine years. What happens next? She runs off. They divorce. Was not his fault. She says, look, the kid's coming with me. You owe child support. He says, it's not my kid. They go to court. Court says, oh, you've been taking care of the kid for the last eight years. Yes, sir, but it's not my kid. We understand that he's paying child support every month, and he gets every other weekend. So keep in mind whenever you decide to, to hang out with some chick that ain't your wife. Listen, I'm going to talk real. Listen, my mama used to say this. She said, you better have a hat for your soldier. So listen, y'all, I, listen. So that, dude, that is. That's How you do that in marriage? I'm married. This is my, this is not my girl. This is my oh, wife. yeah, that's your wife. <laughs> that's my wife. <laughs> I think I'm doing stuff right. Man, I forgot. You're about to start crying. <laughs> y'all, if we pass an offer to play around right now, y'all know who it's for, okay? <laughs> we, 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 I, it's, it's 100 people in here tonight that can give. <laughs> Let's take up the collection. Yeah, he's, already not, he's already nodding yes. He ain't even turning it down. He just come on somebody. <laughs> My wife watches. She definitely say yes. We'll take it, <laughs> dude. So you know, I want to talk about that too because I've noticed, right? So when I've seen from my experience that when women mess up or when women are the ones are trifling i'll say it like that and they leave why i've noticed that they really don't want to see their men or their exes happy in a relationship with another person mm. why do, mm. like i've i've seen where they've accessed bank accounts where they you know started rumors where they're hacking into their exes stuff like nino's laughing because yo hey i like Yo, we go in there today. We are going. To, I've seen where women have done some crazy stuff after they gotten out of the relationship. So, is why isn't the divorce enough? And Nino, can you uh, talk about this a little bit more? Uh, <laughs> um, man. Well, look, I I I'm glad my finances didn't get touched. They didn't get tampered with. Um, no, you know, social medias but, were hacked into. But also rumors like too. We got to talk about because well, every, every one of y'all said they thought y'all was gay. So that that was that was that was <laughs> that was. That was a, so it's either rumors they touch your money, they touch your car, or you gay. One of the two. So what are you like? So can I need no? I need y'all to talk on this, bro. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, no, definitely. I uh, had a lot of rumors being talked about. Um, where they were coming from, you know, I, I'm not going to point fingers, you know what I'm saying? But there was definitely like, a, apparently I was an abuser, you know what I'm saying? Apparently I was, I was, you know, uh, physically and, and, um, and emotionally, I guess, putting it on, 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 uh, in my mar- uh, marriage at the time, you know, things like that. I, I, and I'm glad that I have close enough friends to know that that's not true. Right. But I just thought about the people who didn't know me, you know what I mean? Like those who didn't know me closely, but I'm in, I'm in a church community, you know what I'm saying? So you got all these people within my network, you know, that, that maybe see me, you know, however many times and they, they looking at me with the image of what they've heard or, or, or been told, you know? And so that was a little, um, interesting, but I mean, like I said, I, I'm so glad for me, what mattered to me most was that I had friends who were able to reach out to me and like, Hey, this is what I've been told or, you know, this is what I heard. And, um, I know it's not to be true, you know, but just so you know, 
Um, so I can definitely attest to rumors being spread uh, uh, spread out. And um, hey, I mean, not funny, you know. Rumors were that you was beating her tail. I was yeah. like, I was like, bro, ain't nobody believe that. Like, <laughs> like we believe it was the other way around. Did she, ever, <laughs> did, did she ever hit you, bro? Did she ever hit you? Nah, man. Nah, nah, man. <laughs> this, is, this is a safe place, man. This is a safe place. <laughs> right, right, right. You only got all the Facebook man watching. That's it. You're only on the podcast. It's good. Yo, so I'm so listen, we talked about divorce, but what has that, you know, what has life after divorce looked like? So I know that some of you, uh, Brandon and um, um, Brandon and Joe, you guys have gotten remarried. How has your divorce impacted your marriage, um, Brandon? Because I know, Joe, your money is just jacked for a minute. But Brandon, how, how has your uh, divorce impacted your marriage? I think, I think realistically for the one thing, like with me, I married a, a girl who was nine years younger than me. First of all, it was not an accident. It was on purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. But I married a girl nine years younger than me. She'd never been married, didn't have kids. So she's marrying into, uh, marrying a guy who has two kids already. And she's dealing with an ex-wife that she's never met before. She don't know nothing about. She marries some baggage. So I think no matter who you are, if you marry into that situation or if somebody gets into a relationship with that situation, they are automatically picking up baggage. And what comes with baggage is a lot of stress automatically. And, you know, if you look at the, if you look at divorce rates from the first, which I think is like 54%, by the time you get to the third right now, I believe it's 71%. And I think the reason being is because of the baggage that you pick up. And when you marry somebody, especially a, a young girl who ain't got no kids, very little life experience when it comes to this stuff, you've already been there and done that, man, she's walking in blind, completely, utterly blind. Now, I can say this because I'm actually sitting at her daddy's house right now. I'm in Dallas, Texas. And her dad called my dad and said, hey, um, how can we get – they don't need to be together. My dad said, my man, he left home at 17. Good luck. <laughs> So, but you signed up for a lot of things and families automatically people that say they don't care what the situation is. You divorced. Oh, I don't want you around. You don't need to be with my girl. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to make yourself bigger and better. Trying to get somebody that's, that that's going to be a part of what you feel God's called your life to. And man, stress it creates a lot of stress. A lot of things, people, kids, again, young people, you don't think about. There's a lot of stuff that you bring into a relationship. You never expected Okay, well, I'm 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 curious to know this too, and we we're about to go a, a little. So if you got kids in the room, you're listening, you might want to turn out for a minute. But listen, I want to know because after you're married, right, you are used to having a sexual relationship with your significant other. What? And I'm interested because Tommy, you've been married. You were married for ten years, so yeah. that means you had a pair of thighs and legs next to you for ten. Years. What is it like now? I'm being single again. Thighs and legs. Thighs <laughs> and legs and breasts. Thighs and lips, breasts and wings. Glory. Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's rough. I mean, I wasn't really. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, let's ahead, just, never mind. Let's just say. Let's just say no, that. No, no, um, no, ain't no. Let's just say. What was you gonna say? Say it with your chest. You just said it was a safe space. Let's get it's it. Right, right. <laughs> my, in my marriage, sex wasn't really a thing like that or whatever. 
Um, so uh, it kind of prepared me for this. Uh, <laughs> Bless him, Lord. Um, but uh, it, it's it's tough, man. Um, definitely going from even even if you wasn't really having sex like that, just being able to have sex when you wanted to, like now is like God, dog. Man, it was it was like I was cool like the first month or so. Like, oh man, I'm good, I'm good. And then when them sheets start getting cold, <laughs> start getting late at night, I'm laying up in a king size bed. Ain't nothing next to me but a pillow. It it, it was rough. Outside, girl. <laughs> so um, I mean, I'm still. It's still a challenge now. I mean, I'm I'm still. You know, working through those struggles now, um, as a as a single man or whatever. But uh, it, it's it's definitely a challenge. It's something that you definitely have to work on discipline with. Uh, number one, because it's like, man, you so used to this, and then now you not getting this. But, hey, go ahead. Don't get quiet on me now, brothers. I'm I'm, I'm like, yo, Nino, what's up? Because you you're not married either. Uh, well, he's, he's unlike, unlike Tommy, um, my struggle wasn't the fact that it was no longer a, a, a freedom to have. Uh, it was the fact that it's, it's it's before me more often than not, um, mm. which it, which is the struggle for me. Um, you know, on that note, um, and honestly, earlier on coming out of the the, the divorce, it was um, I had I had to like convince myself that I was good enough, man, and that included the the bedroom, man. Um, and so I did become very promiscuous, man. Um, you know, just to convince myself I was good. You know what I'm saying? Um, and not to say that that was anything that was being said, you know, but it was just that was where my mental my you know uh, battle came into play. You know, I I walked out thinking like, damn, you know, what, what is it? You know, and so a part of me felt like that could have been the case because the, the the reality was like not towards the latter end, but we did we we had the struggle of like that um, lack of intimacy. You know, we had kids at the house, mm-hmm. um, and um, they weren't the most you know uh, respective space. You know, they're they're young. You know, they they want the attention, so it's like. If they up and about, well, we, you know, we can't just go out and about and do what we want to do either, you know? And then, so it's like, well, by the time we had the opportunity, well, I'm tired. I want to go to work. I got to go to work in the next couple hours. I'm calculating time. Terrible, man. But, uh, yeah, so when I'm, I'm stepping up out of my uh, my marriage, and, yeah, that's that's where my struggle was. It wasn't until I finally, like, had this understanding, like, that's not the case. Or when I finally just understood my, my own value, and it, and it had nothing to do with intimacy that I – that was so much easier to fight off, you know, but in the beginning, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo, that's, that's, that's real talk right there, man. Cause, uh, and, and I, I had to ask that, like, I was literally like, and it was to the point where it wasn't like I was doing this for like pleasure. It was that like, man, like, am I, am I the man? But like after a while, like, okay, yeah, I got it. Uh, let me stop before I get, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get wrapped up in something. And even to this point, like now, like I and I just started realizing certain like habits that I formed towards the end of my marriage that I still like like different routines that I do that's like now. I sleep on my couch a lot. Like I've I've been I've been uh divorced. I've been I haven't been with my wife since what 2009 early 2019. And in that time period for like a six month span. I wasn't sleeping in the room because I didn't want to go in there. I wanted to sleep on the couch. 
So like being in my apartment for almost a year and a half now, I probably slept in my room like five times. Like I'm like I've developed like this comfort on a couch. And it's a psychological thing that I've just realized is, a, is just something that I formed or whatever. So, um, like I said, yeah, going, going from, from that to that, like it, it, it affects you and it has this, is, uh, things with you. I think, I think the common thread between what everybody's saying here too. And I, I, I can, I can definitely speak up for myself is that's dealing with shame because yeah. how do we process shame? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, another thing with guys, you know, Take the number one thing. If you the, the, if you hurt a man's pride, like I said before, you hurt a man's pride. You hurt the thing most precious to him, and it's a pride thing and it's a shame thing. I didn't go to church whenever we went through the entire divorce, and it was crazy because I actually ended up becoming the person that I hated in her. Mm-hmm. Explain the that, things bro. that I didn't, the things that I didn't like about her that she did that ruined our marriage. I was no longer married. We're divorced, but really and truthfully, I became what she was. Mm. So I started acting the same way she did. And then I think in time I realized and going back to the communication from lack of communication, she felt a lack of intimacy. She felt a lack of connectivity with, with me as her husband. Well, what did I do? I reacted the same way she did. The only difference was I wasn't married. So I ended up creating for myself an own mess. And I'll be honest with y'all. And, and I, I, I mean, look again, I got paid. I, I pastor a church and there's people here watching, but I'm extremely realistic at our church. It wasn't until again, without God, it wasn't until uh, a, a man drove up in my front yard who was this girl's father and put all her stuff and says, she's going to stay here. You're going to take care of her. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what I'm here for. You know? And all of a sudden I started realizing, hang on, I'm becoming what I hate because of shame. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's what we do. Yeah. So what? how does shame play out, not just in a divorced man's life, in a man's life in general? How does that practically look? <clears throat> a lot of well, I think, oh. A lot of isolation, a lot of like just drawn away um, from certain things. I know for me, um, when I uh, got my divorce, like I shut everything down. Like I stopped, you know, doing my doing my music. I stopped, you know, uh, serving at, in church. I like, I shut everything down because I felt shame. And it was like a, it, and nobody was, was making me feel that way, but it was how I felt on the inside. And I was projecting that around to everybody that I saw. And when I would walk in a room, I just felt like everyone saw divorce on me. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, like I said, like, I, I'm, I'm not serving at my church. I'm not doing this. And, and I, and I was just drifting further and further away from who I really was. Like I wasn't the funny, like every time you see Tommy, Tommy's smiling, Tommy got a joke. Tommy's being funny. I wasn't that guy no more. And it wasn't until I like realized where I like look back and realize how far away from who I was, how far away from that I was. I had to like, okay, I gotta, I gotta reel this back in. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm shutting all of these things down because of, of shame. I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling guilty. And it really took um, a community of people to like really show me like, yo, we don't care nothing about you got a divorce. We get it. It happens. What are we going to do now? Let's move forward. So. Wow. And that's actually a good segue because we talked about a lot of the woes of divorce and some of the challenges that you've gone through. But part of this conversation and the topic is life after divorce. And so we, I, 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 encur- I wanted to invite all of you brothers on here 
because I believe that you guys have decided to live after divorce. You've decided to um, say, hey, this I went through this. It hurt. It was painful. But this is not the sum total of who I am and that there's a life after this. So, man, I would I really would like uh, Brandon, if you could speak to what did uh, how did you care for yourself and how did you get past and how are you getting past um, being labeled as a divorcee? So, again, I'm going to throw a little caveat in here because I'm a preacher. I, I, I like stories. And there was one story in the Bible, honestly, that very specifically helped me. One very specific thing that helped me. If you read in Second Kings, the fourth chapter, it talks about the lady who had the son that was sick and she was a preacher's wife, right? So we're going to put this in current day terms and, and not, 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 not act like it's a Bible story. Basically, there's a lady here. She's, she has sons that are about to be taken because she's in debt, right? right. She goes to the prophet, Elisha. She says, hey, she says, look, they're about to tell him to take my kids. He looks at her. He knows that he, she's in need, and he asks two questions back to back. First of all, he says, how can I help you? And he does not pause. He does not break. The next question he asks after how can I help you is what's in your house. And so this man of God has showed up in her life wanting to help her to do something for her, but he did not pause between the two. Whenever I realized what Elisha was asking for, he was looking for stability. He says, I get it, but generally what can fix you is within reach. Now, for me, it was a history and a past that I had with a relationship with God. The problem is, is I had likened my past relationship with people to my relationship with God. Okay, so if other people can walk away from me, I understand if God doesn't love me anymore because I didn't jack my life up. If, if other people gave up on me, I understand why God gave up on me. But whenever I realized and you look throughout the entire story of the Bible I mean, you got a man climbing a tree to look for Jesus. It was a tree that was in front of him. You got somebody touching the hem of a garment that was within reach. Throughout the entire Bible, everything that happened was in reach. And all of a sudden, I realized you've got the ability to have stability, but you've got to grab what's within reach. And start, I started reaching out to the people that were within reach of me. And, and most back then, it wasn't nobody in church. I, I mean, I, really and truthfully, I thought that the whole living for God thing was gone. So I started grabbing people, my dad. Talk to somebody who was divorced. Hey, help me out. Yeah. But I needed stability in my life. It was to recreate stability was what I needed. That was, and it's still to this day. I'm going to say this too. Stability is number one, accountability. Yeah. Got to be accountable to somebody. Wow. So when you say, when you, can you speak to stability a little bit more? What, like when you refer to stability, what are you, what are you referring to? So I looked at the, I looked at the thing, you know, I don't know if I want to, whether I want to use scripture for this or not, but I would ask the question to myself, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay. I know how to pray with fervency. Like where I come up with a little bishop as a pastor, like I can pray with fervency, but righteousness, eh, ain't know about all that. Like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm really the righteous type, you know, like <laughs> I look at my past and I say, how, how can I be righteous, righteous, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then as I read the story and I look at the people in the Bible, you got everybody from King David. Man, these guys, they got bigger problems than what we did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We got men of the Bible that murdered people and buried them in the sand, you know, and tried to walk away and act like, like everything was cool. And so I said, what is, what is stability to me? Stability to me was literally creating a schedule. 
Now, there's two of us here that's prior military. That's to the point to where, you know, when you're in basic training in the U.S. Army or in the Navy, same thing. It's not a choice whenever they wake you up at 4.15 in the morning. You got to get up. Why? Because you signed up for something. You signed up for something. If not, they're going to take you by your feet and you're going to land on the back of your head. Okay. And so I started doing that to myself. I said, okay, I want out. I got to get, and it wasn't, it wasn't that I wanted out of a relationship. I wanted out of a mentality. I wanted Mm. out of where I was at spiritually. And so I started Mm. putting myself basically, okay, you need stability. How do you get stability? You get it by making yourself get up. Because I guarantee you, if there's a common thread between all four of us here that's talking, right after all this went down, what happened? Man, you started sleeping in. You don't want to get up. Lay in bed all day. You know what I'm saying? Feeling sorry for yourself. And an old man used to tell me, he said, you want to be successful? Starts with one thing. You got to get up. And so I started getting up, making a schedule for myself. I didn't want to live for God. I wake up in the morning at 3.50, and I'd take between four and seven shots of vodka. That way, when I got up at 5.30 to make myself run, I'd already be tipsy. Okay. Became a stark raven alcoholic. But in the middle of that, on Sundays, when Sunday rolled around, I was drunk by the time 10 o'clock got there. But you know where I was at? By 10, 20, because I didn't want nobody shaking my hand on the way into church. I walk and sit down on the back row. Back here, half, half, I mean, swaying back and forth, sitting on the back row of church. Stability. And I started rebuilding my life piece by piece through accountability, making myself do the things that I knew would make myself better, even when it hurt, even when I didn't want to. I made myself, and I slowly but surely learned, just keep throwing some dirt. It was one shovel of dirt in that hole, and slowly but surely I climbed out of it. And I climbed back to a calling. That's what happened. I didn't know that's where I was going, but that's where I ended up at. That was good. That was good. That was was real good. Joe, what about you, man? So um, for me, it was about rediscovering my identity, rediscovering myself. So my divorce was probably the most traumatic thing I had ever been through. I've Mm -hmm. been shot at. I've been hit by a car. But when you want to talk about traumatic, all right, my emotions were wrecked. And I think it had a lot to do with I found my identity, my manhood was in my marriage. So now when the divorce came, I lost some of my identity. I lost manhood. I literally had somebody tell me, you're not a man because your wife left. I literally had somebody very close to me tell me that, right? So I'm sitting here now without an identity, not without manhood. I'm thinking, you know what, God? I don't care what you called me to. I don't want it. So what I, so what I first had to do was um, I was very blessed to be in a church that was a very healthy church with people that really loved on me. So I was very, very fortunate to be in this environment where I was really loved on. Um, and I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm, I've always been a very, um, um, I'm an extrovert. So I'm all about people. So it wasn't for anything to a barrier for me not to be in a relationship with people because that's just who I am. So first things was first was I had to find 